Hey guys, it's Andrea, and welcome to the new season of Trekkie and Beyond. We are now exploring some strange new worlds. Are you excited? Because we are. So stick around and enjoy. And welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea, and welcome to ep- uh, episode six of season one of Strange New Worlds, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. This episode is all about learning more about Pike's past, Pike's love life, we see he be getting it in, and trying to understand culture versus right or wrong. And Pike has to come to some understanding of his little of what he's going through, of knowing what's going to happen to him in ten years. This episode is a very thought forward focused episode because sometimes the bad people are bad, but they know they're bad and they're doing something for they're doing a bad thing for a good reason, quote unquote. So we'll talk about rights, wrongs. Can Pike keep getting it in and everything else from this episode? Monica, what is your initial reaction? So for those that cannot see me right now, I'm just shaking my head because (laughs) this episode, I have a lot of frustrations with. Um, I know that Star Trek talks about moral dilemmas, ethical issues. I was just not prepared for this. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to go from Spock Amok to this. I wish mm-hmm. there was some sort of disclaimer at the beginning that this was going to be a tough ride and your moral compass was going to be tested because I was on a jewel like Spock Amok. And this was like, whoa, crazy, almost borderline Pike Amok. So <laughs> um, how do I feel about this? I'm puzzled. I am... Um, trying to come to terms with I've been thinking a lot about this and I have mixed emotions because Mm -hmm. I understand that civilization should be able to do what they want but I hate the way that this the way they treated this child and I wanted to save him and I was hoping in the end there was going to be some sort of way but I know the Federation is is uh separate from this and uh I just it was just really hard for me to see this one child die to save just for technology advances for this planet so she just gave us her entire episode recap right there so (laughs) (laughs) for my initial reaction I'm very much at a crossroads of what I said in the recap uh, it's a this episode is an episode of culture versus opinion and right and wrong because you have a group of people who are doing something that on the surface they even know is wrong in some way shape or form but there's no way for them to continue their life without doing this horrible horrific act and then you have the people who are essentially the bad guys because they're breaking this this group's rules but they're doing it for a just reason. And so you have that question of, do I disrespect your culture and your beliefs and everything that your your whole world is built upon just because I don't agree with your actions? Or do I impose my beliefs onto your society that may also crumble it? And it's just like, nah, it's a hard, this episode, this was a sort of 
morally gray. It doesn't seem like it'd be morally gray, but at the same time, from what both standpoints are, it's like a morally gray standpoint because even the person going into it knows what's going to happen to him. So no one is, you know, no one is, except for everyone outside of like in Federation, all the Starfleet people, but no one is ignorant at, on the planet. No one's ignorant to know what happens to the person. I don't think the child really knew until he saw the mummy. See, I don't think he fully understood what it meant. Because I think he knew what the ascension was because he was all fine when he walked there until he saw the kid and he realized, okay, this is actually happening to me. Right. And so, Kenny could sit to that because he's such a young kid. He's like 10. Yeah, so, but he's also like a genius. So it's like they... It's a, like I said, it's a morally gray, moral compass type episode because no, he can't. He's not legal. For us, he's not legally allowed to. But in their world, he is. And it's just like, I don't like this, but you're not breaking any of your own laws. But I still don't like this. It doesn't, just because you're, just because it's not, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) it's like you're not doing anything wrong but you are doing something wrong so before we dive into this part which is basically going to take up probably most of the episode let's talk about some of the lighthearted parts of this episode because we get to see a little bit more of Ahura and La'an sort of we see Ahura go a little bit more of hazing with La'an and Captain Pike Um, she is now with the security chief um, her security rotation on the ship and I feel like we're seeing a side of La'an sort of teasing her and, te- and other people teasing her in a sort of like a you should know better type way, but no, it's not really super serious. Um, it was nice to see her learning uh, her learning all the lessons from La'an and um, Pike and everyone's like, oh, remember this lesson? And then Ortega's throwing it in. And even we see Kirk come back. Um, and- yes, but I felt like there was a double standard there. Because oh. because Kirk touched the egg a few mm-hmm. episodes ago, and Leon, he wasn't like reprimanded by Leon, but mm-hmm. when Ahura touched the screen, Leon was like, no, that you violated the first security principle, <laughs> never do that mm-hmm. again. But Pike did that, and the whole force field changed, and he uh, he died for a second there. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that was- but like, no, here's the point there. Here, here, here's the point. It's because he did that, maybe La'an is acting the way she is. Because he touched it and literally almost died. So now he's telling her, now she's telling her, seriously? Like, did you not laugh? You're laughing. Like, did you not remember what happened? Don't touch crap, honey. <laughs> and it's sort of like the whole point of, you just saw another dude almost die a couple episodes ago. Or for them, a couple missions ago. Right. Why are you touching stuff with your hands? Stop right. touching stuff. And People, stop touching stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the rule for Starfleet when you're on an enemy ship. Don't touch anything. <laughs> um, but I like to see that every like she was sort of being a little bit, she was being firm, but also a little bit like funny-ish in her way. Because we we both know her type of humor. Is not our type of humor. We saw that with, uh, with La'an. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she was being nice to Ahura. And I like to see her softening up in a, in a sense of letting her guard down with her crew members. Right. 
I also like the fact that she challenged Yohara to solve a linguistics puzzle manually. Yohara stepped up and she didn't take credit, the security chief. She didn't take credit for solving this. She actually asked Ohara to present her findings to the captain. Mm -hmm. So I respected that. And I thought that that was also a nice like segment in this roller coaster ride of a story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see another side story with Dr. Mbenga, because I always feel like I say his name wrong. Um, we see that he's maybe possibly, hopefully getting the first step to a cure for his daughter um, through coming into contact with the doctor from this uh, from this planet. Um, and we're seeing that his daughter is interacting with the first servant. And we see the daughter is having fun and laughing, but also doesn't truly understand the passage of time for her. Because in her mind, she's like, Dad, you just read that story to me already. Or you read that chapter to me already. And the doctor has to explain to her. And it's a little bit like time is not as you remember it to be. And it's also it makes me think of what's going on with the first servant. Does she does she consent to being this like conform back to data? Because sometimes kids are able to come to terms with things that their parents and adults cannot. And so she may have been able to come to terms with the fact that she was dying, but because her father couldn't, he's now put her in this forever stasis where one, she can never grow up, can never experience life outside of him and can never talk to anyone outside of him and this giving it's giving him his um it's giving him what he needs to be able to keep going on because he can't stand to lose her but is that any life for his daughter to consider like to be in this world where she doesn't really truly understand what's going on she's like wait you the transporter can take me back without me knowing i can come and go and that made me think oh does she not know what her father did to her and so that goes to the whole part of does she consent to being kept like this for the sake of her father not being able to lose her? Right. That's a very good point. I haven't thought about. I was just thinking that he was trying to elongate her life by only bringing her out, like beaming her out a few moments at a time for his for his um, I don't know, his sake. Mm -hmm. um while he tries to solve the medical mystery um and help diagnose well she already has a diagnosis but find a cure mm -hmm. and um i guess try to keep her in that data state in this like and until he can get there hopefully the first servant's father can help because um you don't want to join that civilization <laughs> yeah, no you don't <laughs> <laughs> but it was very nice to see the first servant so curious so mm -hmm. empathetic to want to find out how he could help the doctor and then uh just find out well where would i hide her and then like mm -hmm. bring her out and then they were playing hopscotch it was it so was so cute <laughs> so cute we definitely needed that little bit of happiness in this episode because it was a heartbreaker. But it was still great to see the first servant get to be a kid for a moment. Um, This episode, before we're, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes, and then we'll come back and then we'll talk about, for the rest of the episode, just what the heck is going on on this planet. <laughs> 
but to give you guys an idea if you um if it's been a moment since you watched this episode um the ship this uh enterprise comes up on the ship the shuttle being attacked and the other ship that's attacking the shuttle isn't responding to any commands. They fire on the Enterprise. So the Enterprise immediately agrees with the, sh the shuttle and beams those people on board. And we meet Alora. And Alora is one of Captain or Lieutenant Pike's oh, little love flames. Um, and we get to see number one having a little bit of a fun, uh, fun with him. Like, do you know her, Captain? Or should I say Lieutenant? <laughs> Well, it was interesting because Pike seemed to stutter and couldn't remember a horse uh, name. So number one is like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, it was very cute. It was very cute. And then we also meet a gentleman called Elder uh, Gamel, Gamel, and the first servant who is the child. And basically, Alora tells them that they're heading to the place where the, where the first servant will be, um, where he will ascend, which in that whole wording seems awful now like I went back and watched it I was like oh that's very choice words that you said um and it seems that there was a colony on the planet that was basically trying to stop them from getting the first servant um and then when Laon and um Spock and Uhura and even Alora went back to the ship they were able to find a neural dampener that was supposed to go into the first servant because he's a child genius and so he um apparently it, it is led up is set up for us to believe because he's smart he's going to be their next ruler almost like before we go too far i just want to say um something that i picked up um when they first beamed on board and num and pike asked if um if elder gamel was the boy's father and he said by bi biological sense and then we found out that the boy was 10 years old I was thinking, I wonder if Pike thinks that he's the dad. Like, I was wondering where this was going. I was like, this could be a, a crazy trope there. It's completely opposite. But <laughs> I got in a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because it seemed like um, Alora and Pike had had a relationship. And he was curious about the boy's father and how long they were away. And they had been separated for 10 years so I was like oh my <laughs> sorry I guess no you're good you are good um we also learned that the first servant has quantum bio implants and basically they are calling the federation's advanced technology basically just like trash <laughs> he's like do not but do not get next to my son with that butcher with that butcher's uh knife and it's like this is probably some of the most advanced technology in the world but to them it's ancient technology um and how they're able to the, the first a servant is able to heal his cerebral i guess i think issue that he had yeah. um and to where like basically like it never happened before like it never happened it wasn't like they healed it it's his body's is as if it never was injured versus just like you like you broke like you healed a broken bone um and so we see that Alora finds out that there is a challenge coin um, on the enemy ship that was attacking her. And that challenge coin is actually supposed to be held within the highest honor of the guards who are supposed to protect the first servant. And now we're like sort of shown into the fact that there's a conspiracy against this little boy, that someone is trying to kill him. And I want to say this episode is about misdirection and looking in the wrong spot and trusting the wrong people. Um, because 
this entire episode sets you up to believe that this little boy is is like these people are trying to murder this little boy, and that's not what the case was. Right, and uh, and Alora gave us a lot of clues as you mentioned early on, especially the science, service, and sacrifice is mm -hmm. just for me. I wasn't making a connection until the end, and then after seeing it, it fully digested me. <laughs> <laughs> but the they kept saying it it, it mm -hmm. was just yeah and it's all set up to believe they set the follower up to make him make us believe that he's a part of the conspiracy and then we it's set up so that allura is this innocent angel that pike believes um it's set up to basically make the good people seem like the bad people all until the crescendo happens and to make sure you guys don't go anywhere we'll talk about that in the second half so don't go anywhere, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Trekkie and Beyond. Part two of episode six. And now we're going to get into the meat of this episode, the moral dilemma of this episode, the bait and switch of this episode, the lies that we were fed in this episode, because everything was a red herring. And like basically into the very end scene, everything that was sort of given to us was a red herring. And one, I do like that type of storytelling. And I will say they did it pretty well. Um, except I knew the father wasn't the bad guy. They made it sort of set up that the father didn't like his son, that he didn't love him, that he was barely tolerating him, um, that he was distant, um, and that he did something, like he was co uh, conspiring with the people trying to kidnap or kill or whatever to his to his kid and like he was a part of it and we find out that it was this he was doing all of this to save his child's life um and we see that when pike is searching for the kids so he can take them to the ascension and Alora is saying we need the kid we need this because our, our our um if we don't have him we're going to fall out of the sky. And for him, he's believing this is like their religious belief. This is their fundamental belief. He doesn't actually think they're going to fall out of the sky, but he understands that this is what they believe and we need to honor their, it's all about Starfleet honoring, you know, other cultures. And he's allowed the chance to be down there during the ascension. And we see that the father is upset to find out that, you know, they found his son. And number one is telling him that, um, his son is there at the ascension and the father is heartbroken. And this is like the first time we see actual true emotion from him when he learns that his plan failed. Um, also, when we find out that the people who were attacking them were a old, were a sect that sort of escaped and um, left the planet because they didn't believe in the views. And they were call calling them something akin to like terrorists um, who didn't like and believe in, like, in their culture and were trying to destroy it, but we understand they weren't actually trying to destroy it. They were trying to save people. And it comes out down to Pike is given this great honor of seeing this ascension, and he's very like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love to be to see this, because up until this point, Alora has given him the belief that, hey, in 10 years, if something happens, you know, we have the technology to heal things that Starfleet can't. And in his mind, this is an option for him, you know? It's an option, even though he may not take it, but it's still in the back of his mind, okay, all of that could happen to me, but then Allura could come and I can join their community and be healed. Right, because he shared with her his deepest, darkest secret, and that's mm -hmm. the fact that he knows how he will pass. 
And uh, that was after their intimate moment together that he shared that. <laughs> that he shared even more about uh, the what we think may be the end of his life um, in 10 years and that he's concerned about that and that's been weighing on his shoulders. Um, and that's why she basically said she could help him with like immigration with moving there because typically they don't allow outsiders in. Mm-hmm. And um, he seemed as though he was kind of interested and open to that until the end. <laughs> until the end. And honestly, I would have been interested in it too. Like, oh, I can still live my life, and then in ten years, come join you guys, and you fix me. Sure, because at that point, he he knows you. Like at that point, you can go out on a high in Starfleet. You okay. saved everyone from the court. Like you've done right. What you like at this like. If he got to that point, survived, and then Alora came and got him and healed him, he has he's gone past his life expectancy in his mind. So anything else is extra and golden. So you've completed your your duty to Starfleet. Because I don't know if I would go back after experiencing all of that. I don't know if I could go back, you know? Right. And then you get the second chance at life. Like anyone would be tempted to take that. Like, okay, yes. If this happens to me, I, I want to join you guys. I'll, if you can fix me, I'll join you guys after after the fact. Like, that's a great sales pitch, first of all, to like other people. Like, you're sick, come and join us. Like, sign your life over, and then we'll heal you. And you'll be a member of our society, right? And we could tell that he was smitten for her. So mm-hmm. you know, it's nice that he could retire with someone he may love, right? And they could live happily ever after. He still feels it. Yes. And there was Vina, we remember from Discovery that he, and the original series, that uh, he was spitten for and he mm-hmm. couldn't live out his life with, with her. So I think it was kind of two days. I think it was part of his heart and then also knowing his future and potentially thinking that he could get healed um, and cured there. It is. It's a... It's like, again, another more dilemma that they're right. giving us in this episode. But this is part of the problem of thinking that grass is greener at, you know, at the neighbors, right? Across the street. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's not always the way it seems. <laughs> in this case, um, I think he would have a moral dilemma with the fact that this occurs every year. There's this happens every year? Every year, annual. I missed that. Yes. Oh, I missed that. I didn't, I didn't, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes, this is the burn Sukal every year. <laughs> How did I miss it? Maybe I've locked that out. Yeah. Oh my this god. Is their annual ceremony. This is their annual thing, ritual. So for the people who maybe it's been a moment or you haven't watched the episode and you're watching it while after you listen to this, after you listen to this episode. I don't know. Because if you like you like you may like spoilers, just like I do. Um so Pike is there in this room and we see that he's like, he, we can start seeing the like the wheels move in his head. Like, wait, what? This just seems a little weird. Like, I'm so honored to be here, but what's going on? And then we see Allura go over and talk to the first servant and asking him, do you almost like, because he's been indoctrinated at this point. Yeah. They're saying you say his indoctrination over and he's a, she's like do you give your do you give your life uh, willingly and he says i and oh my gosh when he sees the other child being drawn out and then pike sees the the body folds back the curtain and it's a mummy he's like this is a child and then he realizes what's going to happen to the first servant 
and Pike goes ape. <laughs> he starts taking people out. He's like, I have to save this child. And Alora is trying to tell him he still agreed to be a part of this. And that comes into the whole moral issue of, but did he truly understand what he was agreeing to? Or did you let him believe this was such a great honor and sort of brainwashed him into believing he was doing a good thing for the people? And then it also goes with the father who admits that he was wrong like his entire life because he always believed the people who left were trying to destroy his culture until they tried to help him save his son. And he realized, I can't be a part of my culture anymore because this is wrong. I, I want to join the group, the radical group that left and maybe save the next child. And then we hear from Alora the explanation of why they do this. They don't know why they do this. And that's the part that I think is a huge, the biggest slap in the face and the biggest moral dilemma as well because they don't understand why the people who created their society uses children. They don't know why I always have to be a genius child, but it is. And they've said they've tried to find other solutions and nothing else works. And so it makes me under, it makes me think and wonder, why do you continue to support something that one, you don't understand why you're doing it. You know, you live with the horrible sacrifice of what the child is going through you know the child is suffering as they are going through this and there's no way to stop it there's no way to unplug them once the child is plugged in this was a very heavy ending this was no this was not like a normal um strange new world ending where it always ends on a light note a high note because they were able to stop the horrible thing from happening this was like that movie don't look up where the very end everyone died and you're like wait hold up there's Where's the hell Mary? Where's that little last minute someone else has a missile and saved the saved the earth? This kid died. And Pike knows that he helped bring this kid to his death. Regardless of the fact of his intention, we know that's going to weigh on Pike. And you know that's going to weigh on everyone on Starfleet who fought to get that kid there. That they helped kill a kid. Right. And that's why I think at the end of the episode, you could see Pike looking out of like a window mm-hmm. out towards like a moon it's because it was he's thinking about how 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 strange this is how strange that world is <laughs> and uh the moral dilemma and how challenging this is i mean because he was torn because yes they're not part of the federation mm-hmm. um but what if the father claimed like um that he was like a refugee or like, I don't know. I was just hoping for like political asylum. I was hoping for something else. <laughs> Why wouldn't the father just tell them? Asylum? <laughs> Why wouldn't the father just tell them, hey, they're going to kill my kid. Right. Like the moment you beam back in without your son, like, look, as far as they know, they don't know who the kid is. Take me out of here. I'm claiming asylum. Like you said, he's just claim refugee status and told them they're trying to kill my kid yeah why not explain everything to them in the very beginning or when you know your plan was falling apart why not still explain everything to them right because they were like in a private area in um the sick bay yeah totally and and spock met with them because Um, the doctor met with them right (laughs) there's plenty of opportunity to pass a secret message (laughs) To save this child. 
because yeah. they all failed that little boy. Well, I'll say it's not really Starfleet. It's not really Starfleet Enterprise's fault about what happened, but the father and all the other people who attacked, who were trying to save him, failed him for the for the pure chance. You had Starfleet there. Starfleet does not stand for this. And if you had all, if your father, the father had claimed political asylum in some way, shape, or form for him and his child, you know, Enterprise would be like, "Hey, Starfleet." Some issues going on. We need we need assistance while we take this kid out, where we take him away, take him to safety. And then again, if you're on this super utopia of smart people and no one can come up with a different way of just creating a whole new society that doesn't use the sacrifice of children. And that goes into the whole thing of also of culture versus the world, you know, because outside looking in. Um, everyone does when they deem another culture like oh I don't agree with that and then people who are on the inside go oh, I don't really agree with it either but it's our culture well why not stand up and make a change and say hey let's not do this anymore let's start a new tradition let's start a new way of doing things why not start over because you guys are apparently geniuses why not start over without sacrificing children just because you couldn't find a way not to sacrifice them and keep your city floating, create a new city that doesn't require the death of children to float. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it because for them, it's the technology is more important than the human life, than that one life. They're sacri sacrificing one for the many. But they're like sacrificing one every year now. Like, yeah, so I'm thinking they're doing this one every like five or 10, 15 years. I didn't, I guess I really didn't miss the whole, it happened once it, it was their annual thing. To kill a kid, every, that makes it even worse. Right. Yes. So we have technology now that unfortunately kids die. People die from that technology, but it's not on purpose. Like it's not like it's not a ritual it's not on purpose so to me this is different because it's premeditated like it's different than thinking about oh like gun like there's different technology and you know people die in planes or cars but this is just so different that like they they're willing to t go to the ultimate because they want to be able to have this utopia they want to float what about a little compromise what about living on the planet and like, <laughs> just, just like, why do you need to float? Lower your expectations a little bit. Or build a scaffolding. <laughs> it's, oh, this episode was all about red herrings. It could have been, it should have been called red herring for, for like what I, because everything, everything, they made us believe everything was, um, this utopia was going to save this kid and this kid was going to be the ruler or whatever, all to be in the last like five, 10 minutes. Actually, all of the bad guys, that guard who was murking all of his friends, um, the people trying, the people literally throwing out grappling hooks and like destroying the shuttle, the father who was cold and distant, but he was cold and distant because he was heartbroken about the fact that he was about to lose his son. Yes, yeah. All of that was a red herring to us, to make us believe they were all the bad guys. And really, they were the good guys, and we were rooting against them this entire episode. I felt so awful at the end, the fact that I was, like, rooting for the good guys to lose, essentially. Right, and Dr. 
Mabanga was thinking like, oh, this is a utopia. They have, they have potentially a cure for what's ailing my daughter. But really, you don't want to be associated with that. I think there's ethical dilemmas for him there in medicine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it, it lured us in to also have like um, to feel for the doctor I think in this case for to appreciate the society, the culture there, but really we shouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't think that doctor would have, if he knew about that, if we could see a reflection of him at the end of that episode, I don't think he would value that their technology as much knowing what we know now. And I want to say, I like that the elder didn't just give him the technology he said i can give you the basis for what it is because at the same time going on to that point i don't think the doctor would want that technology because his daughter was friends with that little boy even for a split second his daughter was friends with that little boy so it's like this way the, the the elder is giving the doctor a chance to save his child without using the death of the elder's child if that makes sense because he could have given the he could have been like look here's a quantum bio implant for your child but knowing that was built off the backs of killing kids and knowing that they suffer as they die um he's like here's how we do it and this can be the your stepping stone to the next cure to the cure for this and i think that is a very um i think that is a very honorable but a little bit too late. I don't know. It's, we Part of me is like, just save the daughter, but another part of me at the same time, it, again, red herring, moral dilemmas, all, all throughout this episode. Because I'm almost about to change my mind. I'm like, well, no, just save the daughter. But I was like, no, but you don't want to save the daughter after the, after the child. So. <laughs> we'll, find, we'll find another way. We'll get yeah, there. we'll find another way. And this is also both fathers who are doing something that people would consider wrong for the right reasons. We have the elder defying his people, trying to save his child. And then we have the doctor who is keeping his daughter, willingly or not, as data to save her. And both fathers are technically doing, that. They it's like they see each other in their actions you know like both fathers are sort of doing something considered wrong for the right reasons but does it make what they're doing right in the eyes of the people they associate with you know yeah because in our eyes i think the elder is a little bit more right than dr mabanga because at the same time we don't know if the doctor if the daughter knows like really truly understands and then like how can she consent to being data just like how can that little boy consent to dying very different i definitely saw it as this little boy is going to be crowned the king and then he was like hey give this to the doctor i order i decree that the doctor can have this technology to save his daughter that's how i initially thought this episode was going to end i'm not going to lie after i saw him playing hopscotch i really thought that little boy i was like oh he's gonna stay that little girl because he's gonna want her to live because we have the technology and now that i'm the ruler i can make the rules I really thought that's how this was going to end. Did not see the ending. Red Herring. This episode should have been called Red Herring People. <laughs> uh, I was, once again, I was thrown for a loop because it wasn't the same type of vibe as the mm-hmm. other 
episodes in Strange New Worlds. And is this a deep, deep, deep episode? There's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of ways you could pick apart this. Um, I just, I, I, once again, I just wasn't prepared for this level of <laughs> serious and controversy and ethical dilemma, especially after Spock em Up. Neither was I. I thought this was going to end on a happy note, like everything wrapped up like a bow. Pretty, pretty in pink. But nope, this was, oh, we just all rooted for a kid to die. And we didn't realize we were rooting for a kid to die. Like, I felt a little bad about, like, literally, I, that's how I felt. Because I was like, oh, no, yes, he's going to get to, he's ascending. Yes, yes. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I was rooting for his ascension. I was like, he's about to be crowned king. Like, the like yes, yes. Oh, my God, he's going to die? And then to find that Pike couldn't get to him in time. And when the moment I saw the things like grapple onto his brain, I was like, this is over. There's no last minute save. Spock didn't beam down with the phaser. It was like, boom, boom, boom. None of that. Science, service, sacrifice to the 10th degree. (laughs) Yeah, this episode was not, was not people. It was not what we thought it was going to be. Any final thoughts, comments, thoughts, concerns? I hope the next episode is on a brighter note. I can't take a whole lot of this. I know we like (laughs) um, these episodes in Strange New Worlds that are like, um, uh, that are not season arcs, there's episode arcs. But this was also a lot in one episode. And uh, I hope the next one's lighter. Same. I definitely agree with that. I would hope, I hope the next episode is lighter or ends on a happy note, but it also, whew, this is like the first episode of Strange New World that almost made me feel something akin to Discovery when it came to like the emotional like whiplash I felt in an episode. Um, I was, in my mind, Strange New Worlds was like um, the car- lower decks. It was like, it was fun. None of the episodes really correlated to each other, but you still learn things about Starfleet. You learn things. It was fun. It was enjoyable. But this was like real people, an hour, a little bit more, a lot more serious, but still ends on a lighthearted note, ends on a laugh, ends on friends having drinks, ends on um, uh, something being learned. I was not expecting to end with, um, are you serious? That's it? There's no, What? This was, I will say that it was, sometimes you have to kill the characters. I get that. So it becomes believable and you understand that there were stakes to the actions that just happened, but not the kid, man. Not the kid. I would have been okay if the father died saving his son, you know, but not the kid. I, I really was expecting someone to like beam down last minute and like, or beam the kid out. Like I got a lock on his signature, beam him out none of that so for all those folks that complain about the third season of discovery at least Sukawa's accident and he didn't die okay so we're gonna end it there because again sometimes not everything has a happy ending and this is the real world apparently in a tv show but as always i'm andrea i'm anika and live long, long and, prosper. and prosper. 
Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trekkie and Beyond. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to subscribe by pressing that small little follow button. And if you feel so inclined to support, well, that's even better. And as always, live long and prosper. Thank you.